Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the ASHP Advocating for Impact podcast, where every episode covers a policy issue impacting the practice of pharmacy. We'll do our best to translate the policy and the politics to help you understand how these issues affect your practice and your profession. I'm Tom Krause. Today, I'm joined by Michael Gagno, ASHP's Senior Director of Pharmacy Practice and Quality. Mike is also ASHP's resident expert on drug shortages. Mike is regularly asked to join media interviews to explain the impact of drug shortages, and his perspective is also sought by members of Congress who are shaping policy on these issues. Today, we're going to ask him to share some of the insights um, from his recent testimony before the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Thanks for having me. So, Mike, uh, I'm going to guess that most of our members that are listening today have not testified before Congress. So can you just, just to get us started, give us a sense of what that's like? Um, yeah, that it's, uh, I don't know if I can say once in a lifetime opportunity, but it, it was, uh, it's really unique to, to be in that room, you know, while those questions are being asked. Um, some, some of our members may be familiar if you've seen highlights, um, you know, high level profile, you know, high profile Public figures, private private uh, sector individuals coming up before Congress and just getting kind of grilled or hammered. And um, fortunately, this was nothing like that. You know, this is expert testimony. It's it's asking for help. And so, you know, there was no feeling of I'm going to get grilled up there. I better prepare. You know, of course, I wanted to be prepared um, to deliver our message effectively. But really, kind of cool experience to, to be back behind the scenes, um, walking into that chamber, sitting down and, and facing people that you often see on TV, if, if anyone out there actually, you know, pays attention to anything with, with Congress. Um, I had the benefit of, of attending a Senate hearing a few months ago when Aaron Fox testified and um, got to see the same thing from the audience. Uh, so I had a little bit more idea of what to expect, but really was such an honor to be able to represent our profession and, and of course, on behalf of our members and and our patients. So, you know, I, I don't know that I'd say I look forward to doing it again, but if the opportunity came up, you know, that's our that's our job to be out there to to advocate on behalf of policies that we feel strongly about and, and our members. Yeah. And, and it certainly, you know, uh, is, is a stressful experience, though. It's not like you said, it was not uh, adversarial. Um, you know, I think they are they are genuinely in a bipartisan manner, you know, trying to find solutions to, to address drug shortages. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and maybe members may not be familiar with this. So, um, the committee that, that Mike, uh, was speaking to is what's called the house energy and commerce committee. Uh, that is a, a committee within the house of representatives made up of members of Congress. And there's actually a subcommittee on health. And that is the, the, the group it's a, it's a group of members of Congress who who really spend time legislating on health related issues and, and and they do develop some level of expertise in these topics and and their staff are um, in some cases quite knowledgeable uh, about the issues before the committee and um, and they really you know they really have access to um, incredible experts like like Mike and and really, uh, anyone else that they 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 call is going to get on the phone and be be interested in in explaining to uh, these members of Congress how these issues work. So it's a um, it's a great forum to um, 
for those members to learn about the issues. And then they really do get together and, uh, and shape legislation uh, seeking to address some of these issues. Now that's, uh, uh, it's not a foregone conclusion that they actually uh, pass legislation, but but this is an important step in that legislative process. And and Mike, it's obviously it's a it's a it's a um, big testament to your uh, expertise and credibility credibility on the Hill and um, and and the expertise that ASHP brings to be asked to testify. So so congratulations for that. And I I, I just want to highlight. I yeah, think go ahead. It, you know. It's the organization and the years of, of all the work our members do to, to develop resources and, and that credibility. Um, but going back to your point, on just to point out for our listeners, there were a few, I think there were three pharmacists on, on that subcommittee, the health subcommittee, a couple of physicians. Um, so you're right. They do have that perspective on, on, on health-related topics. So in case any of our listeners weren't aware, there are members of Congress who are in the healthcare profession. Yeah, that, yeah that's a great point. So, so Mike, a lot of your testimony focused on describing the clinical impact of shortages and then sharing some different potential policy recommendations uh, that Congress could implement. So can you share some of those key points that you'd want listeners to know? Yeah, and I think our listeners, you know, very likely are in the thick of shortages, so they understand. Um, but we wanted to highlight for Congress the growing number of shortages, the demand it puts on clinicians, um, of course, the clinical impact on, on patients. Uh, also wanted to intentionally highlight some issues, both domestic and abroad. We had some policy recommendations that we wanted to put forth and, um, you know, there's a push for domestic manufacturing, which is great, but we, we have to be careful of concentrating manufacturing in English location. So, um, the testimony highlighted a couple of both international and domestic manufacturing issues that have come up. Um, and then also talking a little bit about current reimbursement structure, how it contributes to downward pressure on prices. Um, and then specifically on policy stuff, and, and obviously you were very involved in, in the development of the policies, but um, we want to see the enforcement of some existing drug shortage requirements. Um, so Congress back in 2020 passed the CARES Act, the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Sting- Stimulus Package, and that put some requirements on manufacturers to report sources of API, um, sources of where drugs are made, and the volumes um, and then they had to file risk management plans. And and I think you've looked into this. What is it, 40% or so of manufacturers have actually followed through on that? Yeah, that's that's right. So the, the requirements that you're describing were, were um, flowed from some recommendations that ASHP and several other healthcare provider organizations had made to Congress uh, several years ago. And, and FDA recently did an analysis and found that, you're right, it was something like 40% of of manufacturing sites had actually reported some of that information that that Congress has already uh, required them to to pass. So um, one of the things that uh, I know you you highlighted in your your testimony and ASHP has highlighted in its own recommendations to Congress and to other policymakers is let's hold manufacturers accountable to those requirements that are already exist in law. Yeah, and it's kind of frustrating to know you know what it it sort of felt like a big victory at that time. And it's frustrating to know that, what are we, you know, three and a half years later, and you know, there's still sort of this, this lack of information where we thought we'd made progress there. Yeah. Um, but speaking of transparency, the, the, you know, the second proposal from, from our perspective has been uh, transparency into manufacturing quality. And, you know, we get information delayed, 483s, uh, warning letters, you know, they're, they're, several months after the inspection has occurred and having more time information, I think would help. And, and really the, to drive this point home, um, if you look at 
the manufacturing facility that was responsible for, for half of the nation's supply of cisplatin and the 483 that was a result of the FDA inspection there, you really wonder would half the market be driven toward a manufacturer that had those quality issues, right? If there was more transparency, I don't care if it's the cheapest product out there. If people knew, they probably would buy a product that's slightly more expensive if they if they had more uh, assurance that there was a higher quality or more redundant systems or however you want to, you know, there's a lot that goes into the quality. It's not, it's not just a single factor. Um, but that I think really highlights the problem we have. We have price alone as a decision point in what to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had more info, I doubt that manufacturer would have had half the marketplace. Yeah. One of the, one of the arguments that we have been making is, um, as you say, price is often the only factor on which someone can make a decision. And we really want to um, inject some information about uh, about product quality and manufacturing reliability so that so that our members who are the purchasers of these products um, can actually use some of their 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 uh, you know purchasing decisions to 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 access drug from from more reliable uh, suppliers and and maybe that would help shift the market to to care more about and invest in in quality and and just for clarification for those members who are not or those listeners who are not familiar Mike mentioned uh 43s those are the written reports that that are published after an FDA inspection of a manufacturing site and they are uh partially made public but heavily redacted and some sections are not made public so we have asked either either provide some that information in an unredacted form so that we can make those purchasing decisions or we've also encouraged FDA to uh to publish um some of its quality metrics that it has been developing and 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 running some pilots on uh, uh, related to manufacturing quality uh, as an alternate w- a way for us to access some meaningful information about the 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 reliability of manufacturing quality. Yeah, but, I mean, it all comes back to quality. Not every shortage is due to a quality issue, but a significant number of them. Um, and another policy proposal is is to encourage new manufacturers and manufacturing sites. So. You know, there, there are many ways this can be done, waiving some of the, the generic drug user fees. Um, you know, a lot of the discussion at the hearing related to a bill that had been proposed that would reduce some of the Medicaid rebates associated with the generic drugs. Um, you know, there's, there are several ways to get at this, but really, you know, you could even introduce economic incentives for onshoring. We, of course, we have no issue at all with onshoring. It's more of let's not let's not sacrifice, you know, quality, high quality suppliers that are overseas, but we do need to encourage new manufacturing into the generic drug uh, sector. It's just not currently economically sustainable. Yeah. And, um, and if folks are interested in seeing more detail on those, some, rec- some those recommendations from ASHP, particularly those that, uh, that relate to making things more economically viable and providing some more of that transparency. Um, we'll provide a link to ASHP's recommendations regarding drug shortages in the show notes to this episode. And it will also provide a, a link to, to Mike's testimony. So you can see the full uh, written testimony as well as the, what Mike actually presented and the other, other witnesses presented during the, the hearing. Maybe just a note again, for some folks who, who haven't been involved in, 
Washington policymaking, there's actually a difference between uh, what is written in the testimony and what actually gets said in the hearing. So uh, you might notice that uh, there's there's more detail in the written testimony that that Mike submitted. Um, obviously, when you're speaking before the committee, it's a, you know the time is very limited before Congress and all the members of Congress want to ask their questions. So it's a very truncated version of of testimony. So uh, if you want the details, go ahead and actually read the the written version of the testimony. Um, so, so Mike, one way that we can get some insight into what members of Congress are thinking, not just what the witnesses are thinking, is to 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 listen to what the members of Congress are asking in their questions, and that can give us a sense of where they might be headed. So, are there any themes that you heard during the the hearing as far as questions that members of Congress were asking, and does that give you any sense of of what they're most interested in? Yeah, as I mentioned, there was some talk about um, some of those rebates under the Medicaid program and uh, inflation, you know, rebates that are tied to the rate of inflation. And so you can see some of the members of Congress looking at ways to to sort of lighten the those downward pressures on prices and, and maybe increase the margins for the generic drug makers. And Really, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think the concern there is, you know, any increase in margin, how do we, is there any way to guarantee that there is some investment in quality with those increased margins? And, you know, that's, that seems to be the root cause between some, behind some of these shortages. So we'd love to see some assurance that, that those increased margins might go to further investment into manufacturing facilities. Um, one of the more concerning things I think we saw was uh, questions around the 340B program. Um, you know, we've done some analysis here. We've seen some statistics around from other stakeholders, and really, there's nothing that directly links the 340B program to um, shortages. Um, so hopefully, we we've addressed that one through that discussion there. There was some talk about stockpiles or buffers. I prefer the term buffer. I think of um, something sitting on a shelf collecting dust when I hear stockpile. Um, but buffer inventories, particularly for pediatric patients, um, three to six months. And we know some of those models work. Some of the GPOs have private label things that do that. Um, Civica has a, a similar model. So it would be great to see that on a broader scale um, where there would be less equity issues and, and access issues. Yeah, and actually, maybe Mike, before you move on, it's maybe worth just noting for for listeners that um, that buffer stockpile concept is also uh, in one in some of our recommendations from ASHP, and we have some ideas about how how, um, how government could do that, and and we're excited to see that CMS, the agency that's responsible for oversight of the Medicare and Medicaid programs, is is actually considering a proposal. That would provide some financing for providers to uh, develop that, develop and manage a, a buffer supply of, of certain med- medications. You know, we have some uh, we have some feedback on how they should do that, but we're excited to see them moving in that direction. So, even without Congress engaging, there is uh, there are some mechanisms that other agencies uh, within the government can use, and 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 that's exciting. So, sorry, I did, uh, you sh- you should uh, continue your your other kind of insights from the witnesses. No, that, that that was a good uh, interruption. And I actually, this one is kind of exciting to me too, because, you know, we've talked about quality as a root cause of, of shortages, but we still have these unanticipated events like pandemics and tornadoes that hit manufacturing facilities and hurricanes. And, you know, the buffer idea really gives 
the manufacturing sector time to respond. It just buys time if we have a stockpile of the right drugs or a buffer of the right drugs to, you know, um, anticipating which ones are most vulnerable. And it really can, um, you know, it's not getting at a root cause per se, but it's it's preventing any sort of downstream impact of any sort of supply disruption. So I'm a big fan of that. And I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned the CMS proposed rule. Um, and then one of the others was uh, earlier warning to FDA when there's demand increases. And of course, we saw last winter amoxicillin, uh, ulceltamivir, uh, some other anti-infectives that went into shortage because of increased demand because of the quote unquote triple demic and strep throat and ear infections. And, and um, you know, FDA eventually responded with some compounding draft guidance and some other um, um, interventions to try to alleviate it. But that's not really in the requirements for reporting. So manufacturers have to report to FDA whenever there is a supply disruption um, and they don't think they're going to be able to meet their, their their planned output. But there's nothing that requires them to report in an increase in demand. Mm-hmm. And from a drug shortage perspective, it's not a common cause. But one thing, there is a gap if a manufacturer is experiencing a, a supply disruption and they fail to report to FDA. Um, and apparently this has happened. And so another manufacturer contacting FDA and saying, hey, we're seeing increased demand, we're not sure why, could be a a clue to FDA that that's because this manufacturer is experiencing a supply disruption and and it hasn't been disclosed to us. Well, that's interesting. So that that demand notification from one manufacturer uh, might not reflect necessarily an increase in demand from from purchasers so much as just a a change in kind of purchasing volume from them because of a disruption somewhere else. Is that, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it, it doesn't necessarily mean an overall market increase in demand. This is, this is actually confusing to people because they'll go to the FDA website or they'll see our website and they'll say, they're saying there's an increase in demand for this drug and that's a reason for the shortage. And really it's not an overall market increase. It is, there's another manufacturer that can't keep up. And so they're unable to fill all of their orders. They're placing back orders and they have allocations in because of increase in demand for their product. Um, even though they're not experiencing a supply disruption, they just cannot keep up with with orders. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, this would give FDA just another earlier signal that there may be a supply issue somewhere. Great. Well, so. So, Mike, you had this uh, experience and opportunity to, to testify before Congress, and obviously they've heard from from other experts as well. Um, uh, hopefully, the, the testimony is not the end of this. So, what do you what do you hope to see Congress do with this env- information now that uh, you've had this this chance to speak with them? Um, well, one, I, I hope they, um, you know, I, a couple of them were were paying very close attention and even repeated some words back, um, so had a pretty good interaction with with one of the congressmen who had some pretty insightful questions and, and kind of told me that he read testimony. And hopefully we have some follow up communications. Um, huge credit to Frank called our um, director of uh, federal legislative affairs, who's um, who's been so active on the Hill making these connections. But I'd love to see more follow-up on the transparency issues, you know, like we talked about enforcing existing um, legislation that would require reporting and transparency. I think better data only helps all the modeling systems and whether it's private sector or or, or public sector, anyone who's trying to assess vulnerability of our supply chains, they can only be improved with with the increased data. So more transparency and then the quality piece, you know, I can't hammer that home enough of how much 
the marketplace is only driven by price. And if there was more information, maybe we would stop rewarding manufacturers that aren't maintaining good quality systems with our purchasing dollars. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, that's all the time we have for today. And I want to thank you, Mike, for, for joining us and for representing Health System Pharmacy before Congress. Listeners, please be sure that your voice is heard. As a pharmacist and as a constituent, you have tremendous influence with policymakers at the state and federal level. You can visit ashp.org to learn more about our advocacy issues, to participate in grassroots efforts to reach out to policymakers, and to find other ways that you can get involved in ASHP's advocacy efforts. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.